Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Hello and welcome to the program. You are listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And I am by myself tonight. Be sure to check out our Facebook page, the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Give it a like. You can see who's coming up as guests. You also can find me personally on Facebook if you like. Or send me an email, joeyrc33 at gmail.com you can be a guest or if you have feedback and I cleared the decks tonight and I'm by myself because I have something to say this sort of sky is falling politics that we practice where everybody's worried about the other side and some faction is going to destroy their lives. You see, I don't blame President Trump for our problems. Because I learned after years of blaming President Obama for our problems that I was full of crap. Now, I hope some people who blamed President Bush for all our problems... Those of you on the left have learned this too. That though this term Trump derangement syndrome has been bandied about in the last few days, months, weeks, calling it Trump diagnosis syndrome misses the mark. You see, knowledge, criticism, standing on principle, they're all slippery and selective to the partisan. Because the purpose of partisan politics, folks, is not to seek and speak the truth or to stand on principle, but to win political power. No doubt the left wing or the standard Democrat these days has become unhinged and unstable. Those who take politics too seriously become unhinged and unstable. And I'm saying this from experience. When I criticize Barack Obama all day, every day, I was confusing the single man, the single administration, with a larger trend. I was confusing the left with a larger trend and problem in American politics.
I thought the problem was one person or a few people in Congress that we have to kick the bums out. But I started to do some soul searching and realized the problem isn't necessarily Barack Obama, though he doesn't help. And the problem isn't really Donald Trump, though he doesn't help. The problem are the myths we have woven around the presidency. You know, I hear from time to time, what is it with this? You have to respect the office. You have to respect the presidency. There's a reason we gave the leader, the executive of the United States government, such a boring name, president. They give people enough years of history, two centuries and a few wars, and now the president takes on the same air as calling him a king or emperor or the Godhead, or whatever the hell you want to call him. So no doubt there are people out there on the left who are prone to exaggeration, who are hypercritical of the president, even to the point, yes, of sometimes outright lies about President Trump. Very true. And some of them may say if Donald Trump was allowed to use, what did he call it, truthful hyperbole to win the presidency for himself, why can't they, the left, use the same to bring down his presidency? Tip for tat. Eye for an eye. Fake news against fake news. But you see, the real problem isn't Obama derangement syndrome or Trump derangement syndrome. It is presidential derangement syndrome. And it affects much more than the opposition to any given president. There is always a reaction to the reaction, enough to make the left and the right switch their political roles. After years of damning the presidency of Barack Obama... In hysterical terms, which I took part in, some. Much of the right, the base, the people who voted for Donald Trump, have dropped their oppositional posture, now opting to play the role, and I'll give some of you credit, at sometimes it's reluctant. You've essentially become court historians or palace apologists for Donald Trump. Where is your skepticism of all this power in the executive branch? Oh, but now because we have the right guy, we got to trust it. But on the other side, after being apologists for Barack Obama, after apologizing for his domestic half-measures, his covert intrusions into American life, things he said he would stop. Things started by George W. Bush, but continued. More wars abroad, more surveillance at home. Well, the left has dropped their 
position of being apologists, and they've now become democracy's great defenders against the idiotically ineffective, yet somehow incredibly genius and dangerous Donald Trump. And this is a weird thing you'll hear from partisans when they're criticizing somebody they don't like. On the one hand, this person is stupid. And when they go to the toilet, they stick their elbow down in the bowl. Or they're this evil genius that's going to ruin the country. Which is it? Heard it about Obama. I've heard it about Trump. Which is it? All this hypocrisy... All this bad faith of just playing the hand you're dealt. Of course, this is what you do as a good Republican or a good Democrat. You give your guy the benefit of the doubt, and you never, ever give anything to the opposition. That's how it's, how it's done. That's how the game is played. And for a while, that game was played with this veneer of manners and etiquette. And Trump has bursted that bubble, certainly. But these are the signs of presidential derangement syndrome. Or power derangement syndrome. Boiled down this illness. This addiction to power. And being able to command or see yourself... And the actions of those with power, well, this illness creates a dishonest and hypocritical partisan hackery. And despite wonderful claims and aspirations that Donald Trump's ineptitude or breaking with tradition and decorum would lead to demystifying the great American presidency... I'm not so hopeful this will occur. The president has no clothes, ladies and gentlemen. The presidency itself. It has too much power. This derangement syndrome that American politics is going through right now is based on an envious sort of lust for power. And it doesn't go away. It latches on to the new president. And the parties switch roles. Now we are seeing some people within the Republican Party break with the president. They aren't acting like court historians. They aren't acting like palace apologists. But they're giving up. I wonder how many people actually damning Jeff Flake today read Senator Flake's words. Some maybe. I wonder how many actually watched his entire speech on the Senate floor or actually read his statements. Because in some ways, 
what Senator Flake had to say is true. But then he ruins it through crocodile tears and appeals to our ideals are falling apart because our discourse has been coarsened. Well, there's a reason I open up this show every day with an actor named Oliver Platt. It's right there in the opening every day, quoting from H.L. Mencken in 1929, saying, Hooey pleases the boobs much more than sense. In politics, a man must learn to rise above principle. Mencken saw this going on in the United States in the 1920s and 30s. The founders themselves knew this would happen. They knew it. And some of them played the game themselves. We are buying into our own myths way too much. And one of the most egregious aspects of our current political culture is the worship of the presidency. Whether you want to treat it as a deity on high or a fallen angel who's taking us to hell. Either way, the president now has this outsized influence over the conversation. Again, the title president wasn't intended to be this thing that inspired people's deference. Wonder and awe. It was supposed to be a boring title for a boring executive. Yet now, somehow, the president has is called upon to be the soul of the nation, to be a role model for the nation's children. This cult of personality that is built up around the presidency itself. It waxes and wanes in its fervor, depending on the person in power. But what remains constant about the pageantry of America's political tide is a foolish belief in the power of one person to represent, lead, administer, placate, ingratiate, mislead, murder, steal, defraud, and overall act like a highfalutin clever ass in the name of the people. That is, the president is expected to perform all those actions and have a character necessary to rule over a nation. And for all the differences partisans have on the left and the right, this belief is held in common. Held in common by all the rivalrous interests across the political spectrum. And it's this competition for power, presidential power, that perfects the pageantry. That makes you say, though, this guy, he could fart in the wind. And you would say, it smells like roses. He could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and nobody would care. Or makes you say, all the country's going to hell. We're losing our foundations of our democracy. Or our republic. 
It's an act, an exaggeration. Again, the power, the prestige, yes, the mythology surrounding the office of the presidency has slowly been exalted to the point of deification. With all the trappings one would expect within a charlatan-led religious setting. Keep that in mind, charlatan-led. Think of a small church led by somebody you know who is corrupt as hell. Where piety and obedience and respect for simple truisms and slogans become window-dressed in repetitious ritual to the point of zealotry and untruth. And though these gesticulations and incantations of America's political leaders may be stuffed full of passionate appeals and accessible language and good old-fashioned hype and common sense, they are utterly devoid of reason, discretion, and any fealty to telling the truth. Why? Well, it's because the people want it. They love this honest, homegrown political bullshit. Whether they know it or not, the partisans of America love to be whipped into a frenzy of righteous indignation. And the demagogues on the American political scene are more than happy to oblige the public's thirst for spectacle outrage and quest to slay the big bad monster especially when it helps pad their bottom line. What could be a better spectacle than a mono-a-mono democratic interactive systematic zero-sum never-ending slobber knocker for or against the leader of the free world and commander-in-chief? See, this is why we need these new titles. President is too boring. It was boring again on purpose. But now we've replaced it with leader of the free world. And of course, the good old military salute. Commander in chief. But again, this is what the people want. This is the process the people have chosen either actively or passively. No matter the issue, if there is a wrong to be righted, an ill to be cured, an injustice to be reconciled, a mouth to be fed, a foot to be shooed, a hangnail to be clipped, or a butt to be wiped, gently, please, gently wipe my butt, or a salty tear to be patted dry. No matter the issue out there, big or small, you can bet the American people will say time and time again, let us have another election. Let us have a new president or a new senator or a new congressman. And that'll solve our problems. You know, Jeff Flake saying today, oh, this is all so new. Our discourse has been coarsened. In some ways, it is new. I think we're beginning to see a country that is 
overextended itself, literally across the globe, figuratively in the sense of overextending itself in terms of its debts and its financial obligations. I think we are starting a slow decline. I'm not here to keep score for Donald Trump or to defend his dignity or the job he is doing. Again, I'm the guy here just watching. And when I look at the long run right now, there are a lot of people who have let power go to their heads. Who have rented out their feelings, how well their day goes, to what happens up in Washington, D.C. I almost can't help from from quoting the Bible. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. America has been divided before our time. American discourse has been much nastier than before our time. What's new is we are now, I think, very self-aware, self-conscious that maybe we've gone too far this time. And that it really isn't as simple as blaming Donald Trump or Barack Obama, but it's a deeper structural problem. No, the problem isn't one man or one woman. This or that president, this or that senator. The problem is the people. You know, Trump's chief of staff was asking the other day, is there nothing left sacred in America? Well, in American politics, no. Not really. Not even gold star families. No, it's all fodder for the political back and forth, for the 24-7 news cycle, for website hits and video clicks. But there is one thing that is left sacred And I will tell you after the break. And you see, my mind started to change about these things. I started thinking in this way that isn't happy. Not every day can I be happy. I started to think this way in about 2013. I was the good little soldier, the good little partisan leading into the 2012 election. So excited for Mitt Romney to win. After that election, I started to see this is a scam, a sham, that all these people talking up American ideals, 
keeping the world safe for democracy. Then in many ways, it's a myth we continue to construct, and we hope that it comes true, that it'll work out. And in 2013, a certain album came out. I was listening to it this morning. The beginning of it almost sounds like a news report. The album is Random Access Memories. Comeback, if you will, for Daft Punk. Taking EDM back to its disco roots. The song's called Beyond. This is the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I am your host, Joey Clark. And coming back, there is still one thing considered to be sacred here in the good old USFA. There's still one thing that's sacred, but I worry it won't save us. Joey Clark. to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Album of the day, Random Access Memories, Daft Punk. The song is Fragments of Time. Driving this road down to paradise Letting the sunlight into my eyes takes a Steve Miller turn there at one point. But before the break, I was wondering about a question Trump's chief of staff, John Kelly, asked. Now, he was talking about gold star families and being a gold star father himself. Of course, that means somebody who has lost a child or a sibling or spouse in the line of duty. And John Kelly wondered, is there nothing sacred left in this country? 
Answer, no. Well, except when we turn to democracy, and I know, I know, we're actually a republic, and we're supposed to have certain individual rights. Yeah, I, I get that. But it's not the fact that our discourse has been coarsened. It's that our discourse has leaned more and more towards democracy, to where nothing is sacred save the will of the people. Damn your liberty. Damn your ideals. Damn your faith, your family, your friends. Your basic human decency. And damn any robust discussion about the ideas governing the nation. Bless only your vote. Bless only the power of the people. Often a simple majority, not even a majority, just a majority of the people who voted. Bless them to choose whatever course they wish to take. If you wish to know what is true, what is right, turn to the public opinion polls. Don't you dare use your independent mind. Don't you dare go against the herd. And if you do go against the herd, just go away. Don't stand up to the people. you're a politician, don't you dare tell the people they're wrong. They'll vote you out. Just resign. That's your problem, Senator Jeff Flake. You should run again. You should stand up for your ideals. Try to make the case to the people of your state. And if they don't like it, tell them they're wrong. Now you're just going to go away. See, when the people of the United States, whether in a Senate campaign or for a president, speak through an election, when the people come together to create this super being we call the people, they take on the air of, say, an authority akin to a pointy hat pontiff perched on the chair of St. Peter, speaking truths, new infallible truths. Regarding the American mythos and faith, the civic religion. You know, John Kelly was right. The old time religion has lost its sheen of being sacred to many in this country, even the pious in some ways. Government has become the new God. And as far as I'm personally concerned, we shouldn't be deifying anybody on earth. Not human reason, and certainly not man's lust for power and control over one another. So when the people speak through an election, they are not to be questioned. The truths they support are ironclad, that is... Until the next election. And there's always another election on the horizon, so we rarely find our footing in our foundation. But never, or at least rarely, 
is the democratic process itself questioned. No, the mythical people are authorized somehow, some way to do as they please. Now, is this better than having a king, a monarch, claiming he is authorized and has the authority? Whether from God on high or just sheer force of military might? Yeah, I imagine a democracy is a little better than that. It's better than an emperor. It's better than an oligarchy or an aristocracy. But it still says this group out there somehow, someway has the ability to authorize tyranny. So again, the people are authorized. They are the authority in American politics by virtue of their strength in numbers. If an opinion is unpopular, then its truth and wisdom is of little to no consequence. The name of the game in American democracy. This democratic republic that is supposed to protect our liberties has become win the favor of the crowd. Offer them anything, even people's liberties, for the sake of comfort and security. Democracy is the sport of public relations, or as it used to be called, propaganda. And propaganda is most effective when it bypasses the conscious mind. This is what Aldous Huxley warned us about in Brave New World. That it won't be 1984 with incredible military pressure and secret police haranguing you and threatening you into compliance. But no, ultimate authority giving you all the pleasures you could ever want. As long as you give them control. In contravention of constitutional traditions in contravention of our presumption of liberty that was the seed of the revolution maybe not the constitution completely the American people the people again I've met a lot of people in my life never the people well they've come to accept a system of government which defines authority not by virtue of individual rights, not by individual moral standards regarding the use of political force, but by the idea that the might of the collective supersedes all other consideration. And you'll see people who are on the outs who don't have power, they'll run to these protections. But they're so often hypocrites. And there are so few in this day and age who are always standing on the side of protecting people's rights. And to those of you out there who are out there actually, no matter what party the president may have, thank you. But two centuries of democratic competition and reform has nearly shattered the noble notion that the collective should be restrained by individual rights. 
And the few restraints that still hold true are being threatened with each successive election cycle as the American people become more and more divided. And yet the things that are stealing our liberties stay the same. Apparently we're still in a state of emergency because of 9-11. We are in a global war. Every corner of this earth. Because the earth is flat, don't you know? No. But it's a global campaign, not only against so-called radical Islamic terrorism, which is real in some respects, and we should worry about in some respects, but against every challenge to the American security state that apparently isn't commissioned just to protect the American people, but everybody in the world. You see, the great flaw in our system is this. In rightfully constraining the power of government institutions, having co-equal branches, the founders forgot to restrain one thing. They restrained kings, they tried to restrain the Congress and presidents, but they forgot to restrain the will of the people. And the will of the people has broken loose from any notion of restraint. Much like kings and emperors of old, the people have come to see themselves as the sovereign, possessing an authority above not only their constitution, but also the liberty of their fellows. Each voter may vote as he or she pleases for any reason, for health, for wealth, for safety, for religion, for happiness, for efficiency, for equality, for jobs, for war, for a candidate's speaking style, for a candidate's hometown, for a candidate's physical attractiveness. Oh, she's so hot and sexy and Donald, man, baby, you sexy man. For a candidate's race, for a candidate's gender so on and so forth. Take your pick. Any and all concerns are worthy altars upon which to sacrifice human liberty as long as they are popular enough in the eyes of the sovereign public. Democratic law is merely justified by the might of the majority and by the notion that questions of truth and justice are to be decided by the majority's authority. Their strength in numbers, such as a blind and foolish surrender. A surrender to the idea that might makes right, and yet it masquerades as truth and justice, as law, as liberty. As defending the very thing we are destroying. Once people give up their independent minds, give up and give in to peer pressure of party or whatever peer group, there is no limit to what can be authorized. No limit. For now, we have some limits 
people are still decent in many ways. The way I'm speaking tonight and the way a lot of people speak on air all across this country. It's what's fashionable these days. It's hyperbole. It's doom and gloom. I don't know exactly where we're going. I was having this conversation over the weekend with old classmates. Are we on this huge decline? Are we growing some great new American century? It's possible that both could be true. Why don't you go ask the people that lived at the beginning of the 20th century? Will it be incredible, the 20th century, or terrible? Well, it depends on who you ask. Some of those people had millions of their fellows killed in the trenches of World War I. Or gassed and killed in concentration camps. Or starved. Some of those people died themselves in those situations. Some of those people lived and had children. And incredible things were done. So I don't know what the future holds. But this idea that the people decided that this is the most popular thing, thus it is correct. It reminds me of a poem. And let it serve as a harsh wake-up call. Do not simply relent to authority for authority's sake. Giving up your own mind in the process. Authority does not decide what is good. Rather, what is good and proper decides who or what has authority. Such is true justice. Else prepare for a slippery slope towards tyranny and mental suicide. The poem encapsulates the slippery slope mentality when you authorize the people to do anything. It's a bit dark. A poem by, well, a gutter poet who grew up in the Depression. I believe was beaten as a child. Lived as a vagabond and a drunk. He's not an idol. He's not a role model. He's just somebody who lived in the shadows and wrote about the shadows. Who could explore the potential dark corners our minds can go to and our nations could go to as well. The poem is called Simply Law. Look, he told me. All those little children dying in the trees. And I said, what? He said, look. And I went to the window and sure enough, there they were hanging in the trees, dead and dying. And I said, what does it mean? He said, I don't know. It's authorized. The next day I got up and they had dogs in the trees, hanging, dead and dying. I turned to my friend and I said, what does it mean? And he said, don't worry about it. It's the way of things. They took a vote. It was decided. The next day, it was cats. I don't see how they caught all those cats so fast and hung them in the trees, but they did. The next day, it was horses. And that wasn't so good because many bad branches broke. And after bacon and eggs the next day, my friend pulled his pistol on me across the coffee and said, let's go. And we went outside. And here were all these men and women in the trees. Most of them dead or dying. 
and he got the rope ready. And I said, what does it mean? And he said, it's authorized, constitutional. It passed the majority. And he tied my hands behind my back, then opened the noose. I don't know who's going to hang me, he said. When I get done with you, I suppose when it finally works down, there will be just one left, and he'll have to hang himself. Suppose he doesn't, I ask. He has to, he said. It's authorized. Oh, I said. Well, let's get on with it. Yes, there is a time and a place for us to work together. Yes, because people are often so fragile, so broken, so self-destructive and destructive towards others, I don't think we're ever going to have paradise on this side of the Garden of Eden. But there's one surefire way that you can make people even worse than they normally would be. You see, in the normal, moral universe, good people will do good things, evil people will do evil things. But if you want good, well-intentioned people to do terrible, terrible things, what you'll need is politics. Get people to fight over power and authority. And watch good, well-intentioned people do terrible things. It didn't start with Trump. It didn't start with Obama. It started as soon as we came up from the muck and the mud. And occasionally we see a ray of, of light. We have hope. We realize power isn't what we need to fight over. Control over each other won't solve our problems. That's the future I hope we hold to. Joey Clark.